At Evernorth Health Services, we believe costs shouldn't get in the way of life-changing care. And we're doing everything in our power to make it possible. Behavioral health solutions that also keep your projections at their best? It's possible. Pharmacy benefits that benefit your bottom line? It's possible. Complex specialty care that cares about your ROI? It's possible. Because we're already doing it. All while saving businesses billions. That's wonder made possible. Learn more at evernorth.com slash wonder. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. I'm Larry Kudlow. This is The Larry Kudlow Show. And please join us during the week on Fox Business. The name of the show is Kudlow, 4 to 5 p.m. every day. Let's talk some money in politics. We have Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, and launching Monday, drumroll, Monica Crowley podcast, launching Monday. I guess I didn't make the cut for the launch, but whatever. (laughs) Steve Moore, Vice President of Freedom Works, Committee to Unleash Prosperity. His new book is called Govzilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedoms. Monica, uh, your launch of your podcast coincides with your nomination as um, Donald Trump's vice presidential running mate. This according, to, <laughs> this, according to page six, it was the top story yesterday. There's my friend, Monica, as vice president. So, Monica, um, are you available for the vice presidency? Well, I am completely available for the vice presidency, <laughs> and should should President Trump call, I will serve. So there you go. Uh, I was completely shocked when I got this call about this story. It's complete news to me. There have been no discussions, have not been approached whatsoever. But as you all know, I was Donald Trump's first supporter in the media, and I remain one of his strongest supporters uh, certainly in the media, but I, I believe in him, body and soul, and 1,000%. So uh, I am launching this podcast on Monday, and both of you gentlemen will be guests on the podcast Yay. once we get rolling. <laughs> so, Monica, um, uh, if asked, you will serve. Is that the idea? <laughs> Well, very difficult to say no to Donald Trump, very difficult to say no to the former president of the United States, who is likely to be the next president of the United States. But let me just say, I was completely shocked and stunned by all of this. Steve Moore, is Donald Trump going to be the next president of the United States? He very, very well may be. You know, we had a dinner up in Florida um, last about a week or two ago. I think, Monica, you might have been at that dinner. And we went around the table, and these were, you know, 35 major uh, players, political players in um, in Florida. And it was really interesting. We went around the room and asked, who, who do you want to be uh, the Republican nominee for president? And it was uh, Larry equally divided between Donald Trump and uh, Ron DeSantis. And so I think that's kind of where the Republican Party is right now. There's a kind of equal division. I think they're both superstars, so we will see. Let me just say one other thing, if I may. Mike Pence was a great vice president, yeah. a great, great vice president. Yep. He was, and um, he's going to make a good run for president. There's no two ways about that. Along with DeSantis, I would guess, uh, 
There'll probably be others poking around. I, I don't know. It's kind of early in the game. I don't think you can really tell until after the midterms. I mean, I would vote for a ticket with Monica Crowley on it. There's no question about that. She, <laughs> I th- would love she it. might be she might be asked by other people for all we know. Well, well you know, the other really time. interesting thing. What, can I make one other quick point? You know, that, that as we as Republicans kind of struggle with who who we're going to nominate, who in the world are the Democrats going to nominate right. for president? You know, the, what's very funny is right now there's a little boomlet for Gavin Newsom of California, and anybody oh. who's following what's happening in California right now, where they're paying seven dollars a gallon for gasoline, uh, yeah, he's he's the real man of the people. So uh, I, I love our chances against any of uh, you know Pete Buttigieg or. <laughs> Newsom or Kamala Harris or Joe Biden. You know, my candidate, uh, Monica, for Democratic president is Joe Manchin. Yeah. I, I want Manchin to run in a primary against Biden or Har- or whoever. I mean, I just think that would be the most fun, old style. I don't agree with him on everything. I certainly agree with his tough stands on social spending and workfare and um, deficit spending and so forth. I mean, that would really make it an interesting race if Manchin threw his hat well, in the ring. Well, let's not give them any good ideas, Larry. It would be a move for the Democrats to try to get back to the centrist politics of, like, the Bill Clinton era. The problem is that the Democrats, I don't think, would ever nominate a guy like Joe Manchin because all of the energy and activism are on the far left. So the far left will will not allow that to happen, I don't think. Look, the Democrats have a huge problem, Larry and Steve, because, number one, the invalid who's in the White House currently can't make another three months, never mind another three years. (laughs) So let's just stipulate that he's likely not to be the nominee. Well, then their default is the sitting vice president, who happens to be the most unpopular vice president in the history of the country. She's an absolute disaster, and uh, nobody will support her. However, she is a woman of color. And for the Democrats, the most devoted, hardcore constituency is black women, women of color. So if they are going to diss Kamala Harris and, and not nominate her, remove her somehow from the calculation, they've got to square that circle and fix that problem. And as I said, said at CPAC, the logical way to solve that problem is to nominate Michelle Obama. If they nominate Michelle Obama, we are in a very difficult position because Michelle is very popular and she's immune to criticism. And by the way, she has followed the exact trajectory of Bill Clinton, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama in terms of writing an autobiography, giving the Democratic keynote address at the DNC convention. She has followed the playbook. So mark my words, if they turn to her, we're going to be in a real fix come 2024, even though the Democrats have made such a catastrophe over these last couple of years. I'm for AOC. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> I'm for AOC. I second the nomination. <laughs> I, yeah, I just think that would be so fabulous. Uh, Michelle Obama's not going to run for president. She's not going to run for president. I don't, I don't believe it. That's all. I just don't believe it. I hope you're right, Larry. Let me follow uh, Steve Moore on the invalid point, though. Um, Joe Biden's performance at NATO, at this emergency NATO conference, is is just so bad. Incoherent, bewildered. He won't strike out. I guess today, 
I'm reading in the, on reports online, he called uh, Putin a butcher, okay? Yesterday or the day before. Wait, he, he, called, called he, called, he called him what? He called him a butcher. But oh, what, he should, what he should be doing is calling him a war criminal constantly. Right. He should be saying that no matter what happens, he's going to be brought to The Hague, the international court. And furthermore, he should seize Putin's $700 million yacht which is sitting off the coast of Italy. Just seize the yacht. Trump would have gone in and held a press conference on the yacht and, and, and broadcasting because in addition to being a war criminal, he's a crook. Putin is a crook. Mm -hmm. He has stolen hundreds of billions of dollars from Russian working people. And for the life of me, I don't know why the Biden crowd, I mean, I think they're intimidated by Putin. I don't think the Biden crowd... I don't know why they've not gone after this business of all the money that Putin has stolen. How can a guy in public service for whatever, three decades, he's held all these government jobs, have a $700 million yacht? I mean, what are they waiting for? Well, how, how is it that uh, that uh, Joe Biden has all these houses? <laughs> he's been in politics <laughs> for 50 years himself. Um, well, I'm going to get to that in a minute. Uh, but look, I mean, here's my thinking about this. I, I just think the NATO leaders, you know, are, are feckless. And mm. I, I just do not understand why they are so terrified of Putin. Now, by uh, Joe, I'm sorry, uh, Donald Trump warned the Europeans. You were probably there at those meetings, Larry. He warned them about not getting hooked on Russian oil and gas. Right. And they did. They ignored him. They laughed at him. And now they're paying a heavy price for that. Um, it's, it's very frustrating. And you're right. I, I don't understand why there isn't a tougher position. I love the fact that they finally said, hey, you know what? Instead of getting the natural gas from, uh, from Russia, why doesn't it come from the United States? Gee, what a, what a concept. <laughs> of course, you know, Biden shut that all down when he became president. And that's, I think, one of the things that was the trigger for this invasion in the first place is that I we agree. made Russia an energy superpower. I agree. I mean, I can't tell you how many meetings with uh, these foreign leaders, especially the European leaders, uh, bilats at the G7 or the G20 or the UN, lunches in the cabinet room with the president. Mm -hmm. uh, he would, we would talk about energy and he would just look at me, you know, with his eyes and just say, go. And I would make my pitch <laughs> for LNG exports. Okay. I was uh -huh. the biggest LNG export yeah. salesman. I did it yeah. free of any commissions. And mm -hmm. it just they wouldn't listen. And, mm -hmm. and by the way, I would point out the numbers on this uh, because of the glut of natural gas in the Permian Basin, where prices were roughly zero for nat gas. Zero. That's what the cost mm -hmm. was. We had these energy companies, Exxon Mobil and others, telling us that they could ship stuff over there for six dollars. Six dollars. OK. Mm -hmm. Russia's mm -hmm. nine or ten dollars. So ours is cleaner and cheaper, and they would not listen, which, you know, Monica, that is really one of the reasons that Europe is in the fix it's in. Well, that's exactly right. Uh, look, and, and Steve mentioned how Donald Trump was warning the Germans and others about their dependence on Russian energy supplies. But we go back to 1981, and your, your former boss, Larry, Ronald Reagan, he was warning back then, 40 years ago, the Europeans do not get so closely tied to Russia, you're going to regret it someday. And yet they felt, well, the proximity of the Russian oil supplies, natural gas supplies to us makes it a lot easier. Plus, we 
sort of want to stick it to the United States and American superpower. So we'll go with this other source and so on. If you start trying to make logical sense out of any of this, you're going to bang your head against the wall. It's not really about that. It's more about bigger agendas that have long been at play and continue to be at play. For example, you know, Steve was talking about we have all of these incredible energy supplies right here at home. Why are we not getting them out of the ground and onto not just our market, but the global market? Well, the reason is the the top line reason is because the left talks about climate change, concern about the environment. That's not the real reason, although they have some concern about those things. The real reason is because energy is the biggest lever that the left can use to remake the American economy and remake the global economy. And they're attacking other things, too, small business and and other industries. But energy is the biggest of them all. That's why they're attacking it, because they want sort of this one world global system that's based more on Marxism than economic liberty. And I just have one thing to that, uh, Larry, which, yeah. and I think I made this point on your show this week uh, or the week prior. If, if we wanted to reduce global greenhouse gas emissions, the single biggest step that could be taken on the planet to reduce greenhouse gas emissions is to move all oil and gas production to the United States because that would substantially reduce pollution. We have by, you know this, Larry, we have by far the most stringent environmental regulations. Mm-hmm. So when we, when we stop producing here and then move the production to Saudi Arabia, to Venezuela, to Russia, to Iran, that's the, that, that is what's actually increasing the pollution levels. So even if you're a green, you should be opposed to reducing American oil and gas production. And incidentally, the United States has reduced our uh, greenhouse gas emissions more than any other country over the last five years because of natural gas. Somebody explain to me why the left greenies are against natural gas. Well, by the way, uh, all that is true. And our natural gas is is the cleanest. Russia has very dirty natural gas. Uh, Ours is by far the cleanest. And our Um, coal, Larry, and our coal is the cleanest as well. Yes. Well, I guess that's coal's got a little ways to go. No, but I mean, when you when you compare our coal versus oh, to other coal coals. That's produced in China and in these other countries, right. you know, we have by far the cleanest coal. All right, let's take a quick break. We got uh, Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury. Her Monica Crowley podcast begins on Monday. Steve and I were not invited. And Steve Moore of FreedomWorks and Committee to Unleash Prosperity. And his book is Godzilla, How the Relentless Growth of Government is Devouring Our Economy and Our Freedom. I'm Larry Kudlow. Take a quick break and come back. I want to talk about uh, Joe Biden's little tin box. We'll be right back after this. Larry Kudlow. From Wall Street to the White House, this is The Larry Kudlow Show. Welcome back, folks. We're talking money and politics with Monica Crowley, former Assistant Secretary of the Treasury, and her new podcast, the Monica Crowley Podcast, launches Monday. And Steve Moore from FreedomWorks and the Committee to Unleash Prosperity. Um, Kids, there was a great, um, people of a certain age will remember a fabulous Broadway show years ago called Fiorello. And one of the great songs in Fiorello, I, I'm going to read it. I did sing it on the Cudlow Show. <laughs> yeah, sing it. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna, Mr. X, may we ask you a question? It's amazing, is it not? 
that the city pays you slightly less than 50 bucks a week, yet you purchased a private yacht. And I am positive, Your Honor, must be joking. Any working man can do what I have done. For a month or two, I simply gave up smoking, and I put my extra pennies one by one into a little tin box. A little tin box that a little tin key unlocks. Now, that applies to Vladimir Putin, who has stolen and plundered Russian money for 30 years. However, Monica Crowley, I will go to you. The Hunter Biden computer laptop story is alive and well. New York Times finally acknowledged it. Now nobody wants to talk about it, but I want to talk about it. And we talked about it on the show, on the on the Fox Business Show a lot this week. He got 30, you know, Hunter Biden got $31 million from Chinese investment funds. He was involved in Ukrainian funds. He was involved in Russian funds. We don't know whether he is divested and mindful that the quote, the big guy got 10%, the big guy being Joe Biden, now the president. We don't know how much Joe Biden got, when he got it, because the laptop covers 2010 to 2017, which is right when he was vice president. And we don't know whether, Monica, whether he's still getting payments from his little tin box. And I think this is a big question that requires a lot more investigative reporting. Yeah, you know, there's a difference between champagne socialists like Bernie Sanders, who talks a good line about Marxism but has three homes, (laughs) and the difference between that and pure corruption. And what you're describing, Larry, looks to be pure corruption. The fact now that you have the president of the United States who looks to be completely compromised with the Chinese, the Russians and the Ukrainians, our top three engaged adversaries or or, uh, foreign policy uh, problems in front of the president is an outrageous crippling of the United States of America. Joe Biden is probably the most blackmailable person on the planet. His son, Hunter, is probably the second most blackmailable person on the planet. The idea now that the commander-in-chief, who has now got the United States in the middle of the Russia-Ukraine intra-Slav conflict, but he is compromised on both scores and crippled because they have paid him so much money over the years, is an outrageous problem for the United States. The fact that Biden is still there is also unconscionable. He should be impeached and removed immediately because this is not just about him and his corrupt, dark money and those interests. We've got to figure out where all this money came from. I think if the Republicans gain control of Congress and have subpoena power, Elise Stefanik said today they intend to subpoena Hunter Biden. They've got to go down this dark rabbit hole, discover where all of this money is coming from, what special interests and foreign interests are involved, how that has compromised the president and his team in dealing with America's interests abroad. It's got to happen sooner rather than later. And if it shows that he is compromised and or has committed crimes, the president's got to go. You know, Steve, uh, polls show that roughly 10% of those who voted for Biden, had they known and taken seriously and read about it, would have switched their vote to Trump. And that's why this is an election issue. Now, Lee Stefanik told me, I guess it was on the Thursday 
Fox Business Show that they were geared up, if they win the House, to hold hearings about this. Uh, I think that Republican senators should be talking about the same thing. This is a big issue. In the middle of a war, and here he is negotiating, you know, he's talking to Xi. Nobody really knows what that conversation was. Uh, Of course, he's dealing with Russia, dealing with Ukraine. In all three cases, he was involved in um, in money, okay? It's money politics mm-hmm. in its worst yep. form, Steve Moore. And this is going to be a big issue. It is. And there's a couple of elements of this story that I think are really important in addition to what Monica was saying. <clears throat> First, the media covered this up. The media yep. covered the story up. Yep. And the New York Times, you know, when they came out with their story, what was it, a week or two ago, saying, hey, you know what, this is actually legitimate. That was a reversal of what they had been saying during the election. You know, they said that this was, a, a mm-hmm. you know, another Republican conspiracy story. Um, number two, how about these 50 former intelligence officers who all mm-hmm. signed a statement right before the election saying that this was phony? Uh, none of them – I don't think – by the way, that reveals a lot. Number one, that the deep state is real. It is mm-hmm. real. It's not a figment of our imagination. Number two, none of them have recanted their statements now. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I just find that to be horrific. We've been running in our uh, Committee to Unleash Prosperity hotline every Monday uh, one of the emails. Peter Schweitzer sends us one every week, mm-hmm. and they are so damning, and there's so much indictment there. And the fact that the media completely swept this under the rug and that the State Department and CIA officials did the same, whew, that, that's scary. And none other than former Attorney General Bill Barr came out and said this past week that Biden lied. He was asked, he called it Russian disinformation. We know that's not true. And no one is holding Biden accountable to that. They're trying to whitewash everything in the White House press room. All right, we're going to have to get out. Monica Crowley, thank you. Good luck on the podcast. Steve Moore, thank you. We'll see you both during the week uh, on Cudlow, Fox Business. And folks, I'll be back next weekend. All right, good fun. Thanks.